So hello everyone and welcome to another Nain Academic Integrity Podcast. Um, these podcasts, as you may know, are hosted by Quality and Qualifications Ireland or QQI. Um, my name is Mairead Boland and I'm Senior Manager for Academic Integrity Regulation and Strategic Partnerships with QQI. And I'm really delighted to be joined today by Richard Kjeldren of University of Stirling. Richard is with us today to talk about a paper which he has authored with Dr. Niall Hamilton-Smith, also of the University of Stirling, and Dr. Alistair Fraser of the University of Glasgow. The paper is published by the Scottish Centre for Crime and Justice Research and is titled Criminal Grades, Knowledge Production, Vulnerability and Organised Cheating. It's a scoping study on the issue of contract cheating and student exploitation and has a particular focus on how it impacts Scottish higher education institutions. But the issues raised in the paper are really universal and today's podcast will be of interest to staff and students in Irish higher education institutions and further afield. Richard, you're very welcome to the podcast. Um, could you tell us a little bit about yourself, first of all? Thank you very much, Moraid. Uh, I'm very happy to be here and to speak with you about these issues. So just about me and the, my sort of background, uh, I'm a PhD student at University of Stirling here in Scotland, and my uh, PhD and most of my research is focused upon organised crime and criminal markets. Uh, so that's my sort of uh, background. And uh, the reason I became involved in this project was that uh, we had reports of uh, potential instances of blackmailing circulating around here in the UK and um, to our knowledge there just wasn't much work being done on academic integrity issues and particularly contract cheating here in Scotland. Uh, so we were quite keen on uh, sort of exploring these issues uh, for, and particularly so, so both me and my colleagues uh, Niall and Alistair were all criminologists with backgrounds in organised crime and markets and deviant behaviour, etc. So we, we were quite keen on exploring this from a sort of criminological lens to, to get a, a bit of a better understanding of what's actually going on. Great, thank you for, for mm. that background. Um, and can you tell me a little bit then about how you conducted the research, Richard? Mm -hmm. So yeah, as you mentioned, Marit, uh, this was a fairly small study. It's a scoping study, so we were quite keen on uh, you know, just trying out some methods and, uh, you know, doing a bit of exploratory analysis. So the way we proceeded with that was to, inter the first part of it was actually to interview academic stakeholders. So that would be uh, lecturers or other academics um, who were involved in academic, academic integrity issues at different universities. So they had quite uh, a long experience of dealing with this type of issues and were in a good position to sort of um, illuminate for us what is currently going on within Scotland. Uh, but as you also said, there, there's a global element to this, and that's primarily where the, the sort of market aspect comes into this. So to better understand that, uh, we decided to, to use uh, web scraping and quantitative text analysis, or perhaps more commonly known as data mining, uh, to sort of better understand the online patterns here. Uh, so we did that, and we 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 since it was a, a small scope scoping study, we we 
limited our scope quite a bit. So we were thinking about, you know, what would the average Scottish student be exposed to when they were online and Googling for essay assignment help, etc. Uh, so we ended up looking into SML websites and we also looked at Fiverr profile and that's a sort of micro outsourcing sites uh, used for a variety of purposes, but it's also quite commonly used in the uh, context of contract cheating. Uh, so we looked at that and we also looked at Gumtree and I'm not sure if you have Gumtree in Ireland, but it's a it's an online classified. Uh, so so obviously all, all matter of uh, goods and services are provided, but uh, there's also indications that proofreading and ghostwriters and other form of actors that are involved, you know, in providing coursework and student services uh, are using this website. Uh, so we focused on those three sort of platforms to, to get a bit of a broader view of what is actually going on here in Scotland or and beyond. And again, as you said, uh, it is a globalized issue. So, so a lot of the things that we are looking at, um, I don't think any of them are necessarily based in Scotland, but they would be all over the place. Some in the UK perhaps, but uh, perhaps more commonly in other countries across the world. Thanks, Richard. And actually, so so I know, I mean, we're, we're we're aware of some of, of those um, providers um, within within Ireland, so certainly we'd be very familiar with the essay mills, with the, the larger websites. Um, and we, we, we actually circulate a, um, to Irish higher education providers a, a list of, of websites um, that meet that description and that we, we think are probably based um, based abroad. But we also we do come across ads for cheating services, proofreading, ghostwriting, mm -hmm. as you say, on classified um, websites in, in Ireland. So certainly, as you say, these are issues that are I mean, they're, they're not um, unique to, to Scotland and um, we certainly are aware of them in Ireland, too. Um, so just just wondering, you, you mentioned the range of, of cheating service types mm -hmm. that you considered within your paper. Um, what did you discover about them? I mean, what um, were, were there differences between those three different types of, of, of service providers? Um, and, and if so, what were those differences? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I think that there are a number of differences or potential differences between them. And that goes uh, that there's both differences between, you know, the type of service providers, uh, but there's also differences within those groups of service providers. So if we're, um, Thinking about SML websites, for instance, which um, I would probably argue are some of the more predatory forms of, um, you know, or more aggressive, certainly in their marketing. And um, something that quite struck me about how those websites are operating is that they seem to be the same underlying organization operating different virtual storefronts. So you might, for instance, have uh, one website uh, that are targeting nursing students in Australia, but they're also providing uh, business, uh, you know, support for students in the UK. And uh, and we also find, found within SMLs that not only are they trying very hard to legitimize their services by constantly trying to reinforce the message that this is not cheating, this is a, a fairly common form of, uh, you know, student support. We'll have a look at your essay. We might uh, suggest some edits for you, etc. But, you know, it, it's quite clear that it's actually that they are writing the assignment from scratch in many cases. And uh, they seem to, to be going to quite some lengths to, to actually legitimize and try to normalize their services in that way. And they constantly try to 
appeal to the perhaps the more vulnerable students that are struggling with stress and anxiety and tight deadlines and uh, I suppose essentially they're they're coming in to sort of deliver them deliver them from all of that by you know offering a quite an easy way out and they're they can be quite convincing in how they send that message across uh, to students but perhaps what is more concerning with SA mill sites that we didn't really find uh, with regards to the other service providers is that they use a lot of fraudulent marketing techniques as well. And what I mean by that is that they they might have a link to a, a fake trust pilot account. Uh, so so it would just essentially go nowhere and there's no way you can find the, the specific company on Trustpilot, but they would have you know examples of uh, reviews from Trustpilot, etc speaking highly about their services or there might be fake newspaper articles from you know popular magazines like Forbes etc so with regards to Gumtree advert we found a bit of a mix there so it seemed to be the case that there were SMLs that were essentially advertising their services on Gumtree as part of these classified uh, was also maintaining a sort of an online website and then we also found uh, a lot of seemingly independent ghostwriters and it's always a bit tricky to delineate, you know, what exactly they're trying to do or what services they are providing because it's they might frame it in terms of offering proofreading and, you know, help with editing, but there might also be signs that they, they, they might potentially do more than that as well uh, in terms of how they're framed their services. So, so it seemed to be a bit of a mixed bag when it comes to online classifieds. Uh, with Fiverr, uh, that was a quite interesting one uh, because so Fiverr, if you're not familiar with that platform, it's essentially a micro outsourcing website. So uh, the persons on it, they would have accounts set up, you know, with with some profile descriptions um, and along with the services that they're offering. And uh, I think the the sort of key market prerogative that they seem to be using in in our sample anyway was to sort of uh, construct an image of being very approachable and friendly and you know accommodating to student needs uh, perhaps much so rather than you know trying to legitimize what they're doing as smls would do but you know trying to be very approachable and uh, you know friendly to try to give that um, sort of uh, individualized service um, to students and it was also a bit of a mixed bag there because you could quite clearly see that some people had been doing this for years so that would be um, uh, that they, they have to list the nationalities from where they are, uh, you know, operating from. So uh, I think we came across a couple of examples from the USA and Canada and the UK, unless I'm mistaken. And they had been doing this for years because you can see how long they've been active um, and they had thousands of reviews, etc. So as, as far as, you know, reputation goes, they were probably quite legitimate in that sense and reputable. But then on the other hand, we also saw these sort of covert networks that are operating. And I'll explain in a bit what I mean by covert networks. Um, but essentially, you have a, a group of people that are, uh, you know, creating new accounts by the look of it, being around for a month or up to three months, perhaps. And then, then it would be a new account popping up with, you know, slightly different details, but more or less the same. And that's probably something that would raise alarm bells for me because, you know, it's it's in the interest of these service providers to provide consistent services. And, you know, the longer you're on the market, the longer time you have to build up your reputation. Uh, whereas there, there seemed to be an element of transience or transivity uh, with regards to those uh, which potentially could could allude to more high risk service provision. 
And I mentioned uh, covert networks, and um, that's something that we found across all, all three websites. And what I mean by that is simply that there are actors that are trying to distinguish themselves as being independent, but essentially where we have evidence that they are in fact related to one another, even though we can't exactly say in what ways they are related and how they are operating. But an instance for that would be SML websites that are uh, either using the same, uh, I mean, the exact same text on their websites, or they might be using the same IP addresses. And, you know, by extension, that would imply that they're operated by uh, the same hosting company. So you would have several SML websites hosted on the same domain and with the IP addresses, etc. And that's what we found with Fiverr as well with regards to, you know, these seemingly independent uh, actors that they were in fact connected. They would use the, uh, the, the same sort of text within their adverts. Um, so so, so there, there's a bit of a mixed bag, I'd say, but there's definitely some quite interesting uh, differences between them and potentially what I would argue certainly some more perhaps high risk service provision in certain corners or pockets within those markets. Thanks. Thanks a million, Richard. And, and I suppose when you talk about high risk, you mm -hmm. mean that students engaging with, with um, service providers may be in, in risk of, at risk of, of um, types of exploitation like blackmail, like extortion and, and, and so on, um, which we, we know is happening mm -hmm. uh, certainly um, on Irish campuses as, as well. Um, I, I really I'm really interested in so you noted um, that this idea of covert networks mm. and that potentially some of these websites and some of these service providers are kind of hoping to give the appearance that they are um, individual operators operating independently of each other, but but maybe operating from the same uh, the same source. And I suppose that's maybe with with the aim of of giving the impression, for example, you, you uh, of of that they have particular specialities mm -hmm. on, on on one hand perhaps um, and also that they are kind of specializing their services to specific jurisdictions so we've certainly mm -hmm. seen evidence of that in Ireland as well and it, it brings to mind um, the the issue of diploma mills also so those mm -hmm. um, operations who um, produce fraudulent qualifications we, we know that often they may appear to be operating independently mm -hmm. of each other but they are actually linked um, and I suppose the other thing that, you know, you, you talk about this this kind of disingenuous marketing that many of the mm -hmm. essay mills use. Um, and, and certainly that's also something that we've observed through looking at essay mill sites in, in Ireland. Um, you know, there'll be, um, there'll be kind of a, uh, within their terms and conditions, they'll, they'll mm -hmm. be saying to students, you know, our, our essays are really for, um, for their, their model essays, they're not to be submitted as assignments, mm -hmm. but then you've got this guarantee that they will pass through um, anti-plagiarism detection software on on unchecked, unnoticed. Um, so so it's yeah, very, very disingenuous and, and really sending mixed messages to, mm -hmm. to students. Um, so I wonder, uh, you also conducted some some qualitative research mm -hmm. you mentioned with staff in Scottish higher education institutions. Um, what kind of um, comments were you hearing about them, about the incidents or the, um, about, I suppose, um, the, the issue of, of contract cheating um, in, in Scotland? 
So, uh, you know, first of all, I would definitely just agree with everything you said, Mairead, about, you know, how these groups are operating. I think that you highlighted uh, some really interesting points there. But uh, with regards to your question, so we, we obviously had a quite limited sample, um, but you know, they, there were some key people from the universities that we interviewed and they had a lot of experience on these issues. And I think uh, I think uh, that the important thing when we are talking about contract cheating is that it's important to perhaps situate that within a, you know, a wider context of cheating and academic integrity issues. And the one thing that we learned uh, from our field work, that would be that it's actually not that easy to to confirm that you know commercial contract cheating is in fact occurring um, because there, there could be a number of different uh, you know reasons for why someone might suspect that contract cheating is occurring and it's often the case that our respondents would um, they, they might have had you know experiences of a couple of confirmed cases that this was in fact uh, this was commercial contract cheating in that sense that someone purchased an essay online, submitted it and got caught doing it. Uh, but normally, you know, when they had confirmed instances of that sort of commercial contract cheating, that would have been because the student would have admitted to doing that. And um, but what was far more common was to have suspicions that, OK, this is probably a case of contract cheating, but it's not necessarily the, the, the most straight, straightforward thing to evidence unless you have that sort of student guilt of admission uh, of what they have been doing. So it was a bit of a mixed bag in terms of that. I mean, we, we did find at one institution that they actually had a handful of um, cases in which blackmailing had occurred as a consequence of um, students purchasing assets online. Uh, but because um, how how student support services operated within that university we did not have access to you know the specific circumstances of what actually led to that and precisely what service providers was around um but but one thing that's quite key to consider as well is that it seemed from at least some of our respondents that there seemed to be uh, perhaps a suggestion that it is more common for students to actually outsource their work to family uh, members or friends or acquaintances who might be, you know, complete the coursework on their behalf rather than necessarily turning to these uh, commercial contract cheating services. I think it's probably quite easy to get the impression that the use of contract cheating or commercial contract cheating services is is very widespread just because of the, the huge online footprint that they have. Uh, but certainly what we found in our research is that, uh, you know, throughout the years, it, it was quite common, you know, to have students who, who would turn to friends or families or other students to just essentially submit someone else's work on their behalf. Um, whereas, yeah, it was quite limited. In fact, you know, the number of confirmed cases of actually using uh, commercial contract cheating service providers uh, and their services. So, I mean, the, it's it's definitely difficult to, when you're in a position of um, serving at a university in the capacity of evaluating these issues, to know is this actually a case of commercial contract cheating or is this a more informal outsourcing going on? And it's going to be difficult to find that out unless the students would actually come forward um, to tell you what actually happened. So I, I hope that sort of answers your question, but I'm happy to elaborate if there's anything that, else. It does, but I, I suppose just it, it brings to mind 
Um, a lot of the discussions that we would often have um, in the National Academic Integrity Network and, and um, in QQI um, uh, uh, with, with providers in terms of, you know, I suppose um, ensuring really that I suppose irrespective of the type of academic misconduct in question, whether it is commercial contract cheating that is happening or outsourcing mm. to family and friends, that students are aware of uh, that, that this is academic misconduct. Mm -hmm. So it really all comes back, I think, doesn't it, to ensuring that policies and procedures are clear and accessible. And I know that that's something that you've really highlighted within the report um, and ensuring that that students, um, you know, can, are, are facilitated to understand them so that that student handbooks are also, uh, you know, also um, contain details in, 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 in plain English. Um, and, and I suppose you also mentioned, um, and we've had Kath Ellis, Professor Kath Ellis of the University of New South Wales speak to us about this too, that the idea of courageous conversations and again, encouraging students to come forward where they have engaged in, in cheating of, of whatever kind, contract cheating or, or um, apologies, that's, a, that's a, a small dog in the background. Um, um, and uh, I, I suppose, it, you know, it, it really those kinds of approaches, they 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 mean that we're, first of all, that we're uncovering where cheating occurs. But second of all, there is an opportunity for those students who, for whatever reason, have engaged in this academic misconduct to redeem themselves and have a, have a second chance. Um, and, I, and I suppose it also just the other the other area that that um, spoke to me within your report was, you know, ensuring that instances of academic misconduct are, are recorded and reported within institutions um, and, and, and categorised so that institutions can then identify, well, what supports are actually needed by students? What can we do to, um, to prevent this kind of behaviour happening at pressure points? Um, and, and I suppose um, from, from the name, um, that the position would be that this is really, a, a, as you've said in the report too, it needs to be a holistic approach um, to tackling this issue, it needs to be a whole of institution, all staff, all students working together. Um, so, so um, I mean, I, I just think it, it's really, it, it's the, the report is, is well worth a read, and it, it's in line with with a lot of what we've what we talk about it in Ireland. Um, I just wonder. I know, um, Richard, this is a scoping study, so it's it's initial research. Um, you may not be able to share with us, but we would we're really interested to know where will it lead? What are your plans for for the next steps? Uh, that's another great question, Reid. And I think uh, I would certainly like to to keep doing research on academic integ integrity. And, you know, with my background in criminology, I'm particularly interested in the sort of um, market aspects of this. Uh, this sort of cheating, uh, that's what I find really, really interesting and the potential harms that are involved with that as well. And with regards to what you said earlier, uh, I do think it's absolutely key that we do collect data, you know, on an institutional level that we, you know, we, we develop a, a good database so we could further explore these issues. And that's something that I would certainly like to engage with. So, um, to do a sort of in-depth analysis of uh, not only contract cheating, but to look more broadly, what are the cases that we get in, uh, you know, into academic integrity processes at an institutional level, uh, not only in Scotland. This would, of course, be interesting to do in relation to Ireland or the UK as a whole, because as you said, uh, we share a lot of these issues. 
And uh, something that you also mentioned, you know, working in partnership with students, I think that's absolutely key. And that's certainly something that's missing from our uh, report, that we don't have that the student perspectives on these issues. So I think going forward, uh, what I would ideally like to do is to do some peer led uh, research to, you know, work in partnership with students, uh, particularly students that might be from groups that are especially vulnerable to engage in different forms of academic uh, misconduct to explore some of these issues and do student interviews and it will be so valuable to talk with students who who have actually engaged in academic uh, misconduct to to better understand these issues because i think that's you know that's the the cornerstone of building a holistic approach to actually identify uh, student needs and uh, not make assumption you know from from our institutional levels of what's going to work best but to work in partnership with students to address those issues and uh, so if the, if there is time and uh, funding in the future, that's something that we would like to, to keep on doing here. I suppose it's just a matter of finding the time at the moment to continue our, our research, but it's something that we have been talking about uh, doing in the future. And that would probably, as I said, involve, uh, you know, more, more student participation within the research. And we would have to look at more, you know, extensive documentation from actual cases of uh, academic misconduct, perhaps interview more stakeholders that are responding to these issues. Uh, but again, the, 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 there's also a lot of work to be done online to further understand exactly how how these essay mills and other actors are operating. And we might perhaps also consider doing surveys both with academic staff to understand, you know, how, how are they um, understanding these issues? How what what is the awareness level? in terms of um, contract cheating and other issues. So so I think there's room to do a lot of interesting research in the future. And as you say, um, partnership working is key here. So both with students at the institution, but also between institutions and uh, even across countries. You mentioned some, some examples from Australia, and I know that there's lovely and really great research coming from Australia. So I think it's, it would absolutely be key to, to work more holistically and together across institutions on these issues, because I imagine that we, we're going to we, we're going to have the same questions, you know, no matter where we go about what is actually going on uh, within our institutions and what is going on in relation to contract cheating. So I think it would be really invaluable to, to keep on working on this type of research. And I certainly think that uh, with contract cheating and other forms of academic misconduct, there is an element where technology is really relevant to, to be able to do this. So we, we talked about contract cheating just now, but other issues uh, might also include for instance, AI generated essays and context and paraphrasing tools. So I think we need that holistic approach to, to not only say that let's let's do something about contract cheating, but let's have a look at how we can uh, develop institutional frameworks, raise awareness and how can we best equip students to, to you know, be confident in their own abilities, to give them the means to actually, you know, complete their degrees without having to turn to to other illicit or you know, a desperate means of completing their assignments. Uh, so yeah, it would certainly be key to to keep on working with other people uh, across institutions to to respond and develop frameworks to working on these issues. Thank you, Richard. That that is all really exciting, <laughs> and I know that there will be lots of people in Ireland who will be watching with interest. And mm -hmm. um, some of some of the those um, 
items that you've raised there have been really key, I think, to the success of the National Academic Integrity Network mm -hmm. in Ireland. So that idea of cooperation and collaboration across institutions. So our, our National Academic Integrity Network, as listeners may be aware, um, includes membership from across Irish public higher education institutions and, and some of our private higher education institutions too. And members include not just staff, um, but also students, um, senior leaders um, and, and members of, of um, representative bodies also. Um, and, and that has been so important, that idea of exchanging information with each other, learning from each other um, and, and listening to the student voice as well and listening to, to why um, some students may be tempted to use these kinds of services and maybe may fall into to the trap of, of engaging in academic misconduct. Um, and just you, we, we spoke a little about recording and reporting, and I just wanted to put in a, um, a, a, a word for um, an upcoming name resource which will be published towards the end of 2022 and that is the framework for reporting um, uh, academic misconduct um, and I, I know I've butchered that name completely but it is a really exciting initiative by uh, the working group one of, of the name um, which is looking at putting a framework in place for institutions to categorise um, types of academic misconduct, record them um, and, and to, to establish reporting um, reporting uh, measures with, within institutions. And I suppose it's looking at harmonising that across the system. Um, and also on that topic, I know we recently came across um, a, an excellent report by the University of New South Wales again. So their student conduct and complaints report for 2021, which is a really uh, engaging read. It looks at um, the, I suppose, the period, the academic year 2021, and um, it, it considers the trends over the past couple of years and, and also yeah, has, a, has some really nice case studies on, um, on different types of academic um, misconduct. Um, and I know that there's a, a very a similar report um, uh, by the University of Calgary, uh, which is also um, worth, worth a read. So just picking up on some of those points there, but um, there are so many areas I think that you could continue with um, in, in this in this field in your in your research. And like I say, we are really, really excited about that and really interested in in hearing more from you. So please do keep us in the loop and consider, um, you know, if, if there's anything that that we can do in Ireland to, to help out with that research, please do let us know. Thank you very much, Maureen. And yeah, I would certainly be happy to to work more closely with uh, with institutions and yourself in Ireland to to talk through these issues. And uh, I'm certainly excited to hear more about that institutional framework. Uh, that you're working on because I think this is probably the way forward. We need to work together to respond to this because as we talked about in the beginning of the podcast that it is a global issue and we're going to need a global response to that in many ways. Absolutely. Richard, thank you so much. Um, it's been a pleasure speaking to you and uh, thank you once again for joining us on this main podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It was really, really great speaking with you. And I just wanted to throw it out there that if anyone has any questions or would like to get in touch to discuss anything from my report, just please do reach out because I'm more than happy to, to chat with people about it. Perfect. And we will share we will share your contact details um, with, with name members. Thank right. you, Richard. Thank you.